0: Okay, good morning again, and uh, let's see, I'm not up here, uh, I need it, we we have the network connection, I need help again, I I lost it, we're going to have a little, oh, there it comes, right, here it is, okay, Um, this is our subject, we remind ourselves that for the past several weeks, we have been looking at uh, the New Testament patterned church, we would trust that every Church that meets in America and around the world would pattern themselves after the New Testament, and uh, so that is the purpose of this study to look at various subjects that deal with the New Testament church. Right. So this particular subject that comes up today is this: roles of male and female in the church. Now we know, might say at the outset, this will not be a popular. Uh, presentation, because at large, this is not accepted, what the New Testament has to say. But nonetheless, the head of the church has put it in his word, and he would like us to present it. So with that in view, there's a number of scripture readings. So if you have your Bible, Daniel canis has lined up some uh, several readers, and if they would just state if, he, if they're not uh, reading that in order, just state the passage so we'll know where to turn, right? Okay, first one, and then let's follow along the readings, and then after that we'll recap what we have read. So let's read it together.
1: I am reading in 1 Corinthians eleven, one through 16. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man. The head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be sh- uh, shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman and to be sh- shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image of, and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man is not from the woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this reason the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman nor woman independent of man. And the Lord, for as woman came from man, even so man also comes to the woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered. Does not every nature nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him, but if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for recovering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God.
2: Okay, I am reading from 1 Timothy 2, 8-15. I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or, or gold or pearls or costly clothing clothing, but which is proper for women pro, prophecy professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. (coughs) For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness holiness, with self-control.
1: I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 40. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to, be subject, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come from you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner.
2: I'm reading from Titus, Titus 2, 3 through 5. The older woman, women likewise, that they, may, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed.
0: Okay, thank you, young men, for that reading, and we trust to touch on this important subject. Before I start, just want to say that the church is described in the New Testament as not the building. I know we're going to remind ourselves of something we probably already know. The church is the body of Christ, says the New Testament. And the body of Christ is made up of individuals who have received Christ as Savior, who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God, and thus a part of that wonderful body. So, let's go ahead and look at what the Bible has to say about the roles of male and female in the church. Let's recap. Summing up the scripture readings that we've just looked at, the woman's role is supportive, not authoritative. Silent when the assembly meets. The main sphere of activity is guiding the home instead of leadership in the church. The man's role is vocal and involves leadership. Now, we hope to expand just a little bit on each of these. But again, I want to say at the outset, I know this is not popular in Christendom. I know it's not because we can go anywhere around the community and around the country and perhaps around the world. And you will not see these roles taken place. Let's let's look at it this way. We read in 1 Corinthians that there is, let all things be done decently and in order, right? Order. There's a good word to get a hold of there when it comes to the New Testament church. Order. It's an arranging or an arrangement. What would it be like in alphabetical order if we went to look up in the phone book, we went to look up uh, uh, somebody with a particular name and and, and the order was out of order. The uh, alphabetical order was not there. It would be very difficult. So we understand the need for order. Teachers, I found a, a little slide off the internet. You know, you put, you cut out the numbers, and you got to put them in, in numerical order, right? So there's alphabetical order, numerical order. We tell things in chronological order, right? Jack and Jill went up the hill. J- Jill fell down, right? Well, we we got to do it, and we tell a story in uh, chronological order. We understand it. Well, the same thing applies for the church. And in any society, in any well-ordered society, that is the way it operates, right? We have a chain of command, right? Let every soul be subject unto the higher power. We live in a great country, the United States of America. But we have uh, those that that rule over us, right? And if we're unruly, why we just get escorted uh, to a place we probably wouldn't want to go. Right. So we understand a specific order set up. I trust. Let me let me just offer a little explanation about order. Okay, so I'm sitting in a restaurant and I see two men talking. Right. I'm 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 watching and I overhear. And that's funny for me because I can't hear. But I overhear. Right. I overhear a conversation. It's two men. One looks a little younger than the other. And uh, the uh, what I find out as I. As I learn a little bit more that uh, the, the younger one, well, he has a business. Now the, the older one is his father, so he' got a father and a son. And the father is talking to the son. the son is talking to the father. And I overhear the conversation. The son has a business. The father's re- retired, but he, he works part-time in the son's business right? So the son, he's the business owner. He's the CEO. He says to his father, well, listen, let, why don't you make these few calls? I want some business calls to take place. You make these calls for me and set up uh, the, these, these uh, business applications, okay? But then the father turns to the son, the CEO, and he says, listen, you know, your mother is not feeling well. Why don't you go by after work today and visit her? Now, what happened? It's the same place, the same setting, but you have, you have world order, employer, employee, but then you have... Uh, you have home order, father and son, right? They look, they, they just were sitting right there. There was no movement. They they didn't go anywhere, but the orders switched around, right? So you have world order, employee, employer, and then you have home order, father and son. But it just switched, right? Now, that may help us when it comes to, you know, why, why is it uh, all right? Well, let, let's see. Well, sometimes... In this building, you may hear ladies speak up. Let me give you an example. We'll have, we'll have world order in a few weeks. We have what the, the, the state uh, calls upon us to do is a corporate meeting when the assembled body in the corporation comes and we talk about money, we talk about things like that. That's not church order. That's world order, right? That's state order. So we can practice things differently. But we're talking about now the role of men and women in the church, and there is order set up. I hope that makes sense to you. It does in our society. Now, men have been appointed by God as leaders in the church. These are just three reasons. Number one, the Lord Jesus is a man. He's the head of the church, right? The man. Christ Jesus, the head leads the body. Ephesians chapter 5, Christ is the head of the church. There's a man in the glory, right? Uh, We read about... That God became a man. He became that which he never was, right? God never had a body before. God is spirit. But then he became that which he never was. He took on a body, yet never ceased to be what he always was. He did his finished work. He rose back to heaven. He is seated in the glory at the right hand of God. He's the head of the church, right? It's not another man in Rome or anywhere else that's the head of the church. It's the Lord Jesus is the head of the church. Secondly, the 12 apostles are men. Elders and deacons are men, since they must be the husband of one wife, First uh, Timothy 3. And then God, uh, God's appointment, we read in First in, in, uh, Timothy, uh, appointment of men as leaders is based on the order of creation. What did it say, if we recall, in First Timothy? Adam was first formed, then Eve. He's t- pointing out that it, as far as the headship of man, that it's because of the order of creation and on the fall. Right. If you want to look back at your verses that we just read in first Timothy, the woman was deceived, not the man. That is the reasons. There's two reasons. God appoints God's appointment of men as leaders is based on the order of creation and on the fall, not on some temporary cultural circumstances. That is something that is presented in Christendom today. Well, you had this and you had that and you had the other thing. Well, that's all fine to say that. But let's look at what to see the New Testament has to say. So that's the, what the, the, the New Testament presents. Now, invariably, we ask, it's, it's, it's understandable, are women less important or valuable? Not at all. A resounding no. Listen to what the Lord says. From the very beginning of creation, we read that God formed man of the dust of the ground. But he saw there was a need in creation. He formed the woman and he said she will be a help suitable for him. That's what Genesis chapter 2 says. Now you know that word, a suitable help, is the same word in, in uh, Psalms 33 that, that says um, the Lord is my helper. Are we going to stand and say that the Lord is He's inferior? No, the Lord is a helper, the Lord my helper. So we can see from the very outset that that is not the case. I had another verse up there. Oh, but I can't, oh, I can't think of what it was, that it somehow disappeared from my slide. But there is no way that, that uh, women are less valuable or important. Here's what the Scripture says. Sisters should be well reported up for good works, 1 Timothy 5, and adorn themselves. Now, <clears throat> just as a side note, that word adorn is the Greek word "cosmeo." What does that sound like? Cosmetics. Right. So we have spiritual cosmetics in the word of God, but it's, it's internal, not external. That's not to say we don't use. We, many of us, we need uh, 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 external cosmetics. Right. But the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's spiritual cosmetics. Right. That we, that, that, you know, God, it sits on the sight of God of great price. of God So God sees the inward person, right? The inward sister, the inward man. And we thank the Lord for spiritual cosmetics. So women are, to, sisters are to be adorned with good works. These are just a few. Time will not allow, but I want to touch on just some of them. If, I know they're small. If you can't read them, we can make this available. But let me just look at a few of them that I think are outstanding. First of all, I want to say that, that uh, uh, the, the first few have to do with the home life, right? Bringing up children. You know, so of the great men that God has used in, the, in, in, in Christendom, in the church, in the kingdom of God today, they all had mothers, Right? It's a wonderful thing. We heard a few weeks ago of how this one or that one was raised in this particular home. And you can look at the history of John and Charles Wesley, of Billy Graham, and and, and all of these individuals. They had mothers, godly mothers, right, that raised them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and mostly due to the mother. But let's look at uh, 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 prophesying. Oh, you say, it's all right. It's all right for women to prophesy. Acts 21, well, Philip had four daughters, and they prophesied. Yes, they did. But it was not in a church meeting. What we're looking at in the role is the assembled church. When the church comes together for spiritual purpose, praying and prophesying, it is the men who are to take the lead. Yes, the sisters can prophesy. Yes, it says it in the Bible. We gladly accept that. Oh, and by the way, in that passage in Acts chapter 21... When Paul was concerned about or they were concerned about him going to Jerusalem, it says Philip had four daughters that prophesied, but they didn't prophesy to him. It was another it was a man named Agabus that, that the Lord used to prophesy and tell him, don't go and so forth and so on. But anyway, we thank the Lord that one of the good works that sisters are allowed prophesying. And I want to say about prophesying, it's not just sometimes when we think of prophetic things, we think of foretelling. In other words, I'm broadcasting the future. Well, that's part of it. There's no 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 question. In the Bible, that's part of it. But it's also foretelling because why? We have a more sure word of prophecy. What a wonderful thing for a sister or a brother to get a hold of the word of God and to foretell it, to tell others, to prophesy what the word of God has to say. We have a more sure word of prophecy. By the way, the word of God is complete. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness right here. And so, brothers, sisters, we're all priests. We can prophesy. We can tell what the word of God, the prophetic word of God. You know, know we know the future. Yeah, we know the future because the future is conveyed in the prophetic word. It's a wonderful thing. Spiritual worship down, uh, part way down. That wonderful revelation, you know who that, who that was revealed to? In John chapter 4, the woman at the well, the one who had five husbands, and she's now living with a man. You'd think this sublime subject of spiritual worship was revealed to that dear lady at the well, uh, they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not the place. If you were to look up John chapter 4, she said, oh, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And he, he said, you don't even know what you worship, right? It's a wonderful passage. If we had time to look at it, we don't. Witnessing and evangelism, a wonderful thing for men and women alike. Explanation of Scripture. Just look at the last one there. Apollos was a great teacher of the Word of God. Acts chapter 18, but he came down to a certain place and he only knew the baptism of John. That's all he knew. Who set him straight? Who set him straight? Aquila and Priscilla. Wonderful thing, isn't it? Here, here, here. Private setting. Can you imagine, Jamie and Jabel. somebody, somebody gets off, off base, and, 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 and Sister Jamie comes and she says, Hey, what about this? What about this? Ah, yes, now I see it, right? So that's a wonderful thing for a sister to get a hold of the Word of God and be able to offer further explanation. Okay, two reasons given for the man, order, woman, and the church. Two that are given in that passage that we read in 1 Corinthians. The man is not out of the woman, but the woman out of the man Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now, watch this. This is lovely. The man is said in 1 Corinthians 11 to be the head of the woman, verse 3. He has been given to play the role of Christ, who is the eternal lover. Christ is the head of the church. Now, the woman has the part of the bride, the object of his love. So you have the eternal lover, Christ, the object that is love, the church, the body of Christ. What a beautiful picture. You have of Christ in the church. Christ now is not out of the bride, but the bride out of Christ. So, like Eve, think about this. Eve is often referred to as the uh, bride of the wounded side. Let's think about that for a minute. When Eve was created, God put the woman to sleep. He reached in, as it were, opened up her side, took a rib, and he closed up the flesh, and with that rib he made a woman. So you have Eve, the bride of the wounded side. Church, the body of Christ, is the bride of the wounded side, isn't it? We just read this morning. Thomas comes in and, 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 and he, after the crucifixion, and Jesus says, reach, Thomas, and put your hand into my side. That's where the spear was given that the blood poured out whereby we find redemption. We are redeemed with precious blood that Christ shed on Calvary's cross. So the church is the bride of the wounded side. Now, would the church and symbol turn around and lead Christ? Not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. The reason the man is to take the public lead has nothing to do with importance or capability. There is going on, and I know most of us know this. There is a divine love story that is being played out in the church. And you know who the you know who's watching the principalities and powers, the unseen world, Ephesians 310 to the intent that now under the principalities and powers and, and, and the rulers shall be known. By the church, the manifold wisdom of God. You don't know it. I don't know it. But the Bible says, again, in First Corinthians 11, that the oh. angels are watching. They're looking down at, the, at this restored order in the church. When the church meets, they see all of these things, the silent woman, the covered head, all of these things, they see it. We don't see them. They see what's going on. It is a wonderful thing to think that there is this divine love story being played out. You know, that, that happens all through the scripture. Sarah and Hagar, their allegory. Did they know? Would they have said things different if they knew they would become an allegory to us? That we're able to look back? Well, just think about this. There are spiritual Beings watching what happens when the assembly gather together. And there's confusion when they see things that are out of order. Just the same way I go up to a Coke machine. I was out one time Shark Valley, you know, we, we were thirsty. And we went to, we ran out of water. We finally get to the machine, the dispenser, and it's out of order. I, I got to have something to drink. What's wrong when it's out of order, right? It's no good. So the the, the angels watch and they see. Something, what? They're scratching their angelic heads. What's going on here? God has restored the order, but it's not being practiced here. Now, I tell you, again, it it is not going to fit in many seminaries. It's not. It's not going to fit. Not going to fit in many megachurches either. It's not going to fit. But guess what? The head of the church is not, well, I'd like to name names, but I'm not. The head of the church is not such and such and so and so. But it's Christ. We're responsible to him. He's the head of the church. So if these things are not sitting well, why, we have to take it up with him. We're going to look at that a little more. Did I go the wrong way? Okay. All right. <clears throat> this is our last slide. The Lord of the churches. He's the head of the church. He's made this arrangement for man and woman. He knows something about a humble place. Right? In the beginning of 1 Corinthians 11, the head of Christ is God. Now, we scratch our head and we wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought Christ was God. Oh, he is. He is. But in order to redeem you, in order to redeem me, he humbled himself. Oh, we read this morning, he made himself of no reputation. You know, in the world that you and I live, we clamor for reputation. I want to build up my life so I'm known. I make a mark on the world. Here's one who had reputation, and he made himself of no reputation. Isn't that remarkable grace? He made himself of no reputation. So, in order that the Lord knows something about this order, because He humbled Himself. So what you have is you have you have loving authority and willing submission in the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. But in order for God the Son to redeem you and me, the eternal lover, to redeem his love, the church, he took the low place. And the head of Christ is God. The head of Christ is God. There is a different verse. It's not coming to my mind in the scripture about the Savior that says the same thing. But just keep that in mind. It will come to me later. The uh, When God, when the Son of God humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, this is our last slide. The uncovered head of the man, this is 1 Corinthians 11 that we read, and the covered hair of the woman are symbols protecting the glory of God. Symbols, I say. Symbols. The uncovered head of the man and the, un- and the covered hair of the woman are symbols protecting God the glory of God. Now watch this. There must be two coverings to cover the two competing glories in the church. You have the glory of the man, number one. You have the glory of the woman. The glory of the man is covered by the woman's hair. Her hair is given her for a covering. And under this, covering symbolically is the glory of man. For woman is the glory of the man, said the very beginning of the chapter. Wonderful, wonderful truth. But there's a second covering. Oh, Why do I have to do this? Well, we want to protect as it were, the glory of God. So the, the angels aren't scratching their angelic heads, wondering and looking down. Here are covering, there are covering. Not a covering there. Not a covering What's going on? They're probably saying in their angelic heads, right? So you've got the second covering, and it's a different Greek word, that a veil is necessary to cover the glory of the woman, which is her hair. If not, there's a competing glory when the assembly meets. Do you see that? It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. And I know it is not practiced. It is ignored in the church at large. Now, if you had the time to look at history, you would see that in by past years, the woman's veiled head, the covered head was practiced regularly. Somewhere along the line, it came out of fashion or whatever. We oh, don't know. Now, whatever one may think of this brief presentation of women in the church, surely these verses must mean something. We cannot ignore. Let's let's, let's look at it this way. One day soon, every child of God is going to stand before the head of the church. But you know, Lord... Such and such teacher, he was such a great teacher. He told me, "You don't have to do this. This is something that's cultural." And, what? The Word of God says it is to be practiced. Now, I want to make sure of something here. This is not uh, salvific. In other words, it's not. I don't have to do this in order to be saved. Oh, if I do this, if I'm baptized, I'll be saved. If I cover my head, I'll be saved. No, it's it's symbolic. We're, we're, we we don't want any competing glory when the assembly meets. We want to see the, the, the head of Christ is God. We want to see the glory of God uh, revealed when the assembly meets. So whatever we think of this, these verses mean something. The word that I speak unto you is the commandment of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 14. He said in that same chapter, he said, This is practiced in all the churches in that day. Now, we say, oh, yes, each church is autonomous and responsible to the head, but there is a biblical practice that stretched throughout all the churches in the New Testament that the woman were to keep silent, the man was to be head, the woman, and when the assembly meets, is to have her head covered, the man is to have an uncovered head, and so on. All of these things are there because the head of the church... Uh, has, has commanded it, and all things must be done decently and in order. Don't We don't want to be out of order, do we? I don't think so. If things would be very confusing, would they not, if we did not have order. We want to see order at Boulevard Bible Chapel. That is why we do and, and practice what we've just looked at regarding the rules. Now, I want to say this, too, as we close. Somebody might turn, and, and I, I wish they would, We might look at it afterwards, but we might, somebody will go to Galatians and they'll say this. Watch this before we close. Ah, Mr. Preacher. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Listen to this. As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. (gasps) There There you go. That gives me the right. That gives me the right. To have, pastor, sister, so and so. No, what the scripture is saying that there, as far as the spiritual realm, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male or female. There's spiritual equality, but functionally different. Spiritually equal, but functionally different. That is what we've been looking at. So we want to make sure that is very clear. We are one in Christ. There is neither male nor female spiritually. That's what he sees. That's what the word of God says. But in function, there is a practice. There is an order. And we have looked at it just in brief. And we want to practice that order to be well-pleasing to the head of the church. And I think if you stop and think about it, you would want to do that too. We would want to be obedient to the Lord of the church, the head of the body, which is Christ and honor Him. And not have any competing glories in the assembled meeting of the church. So praise the Lord for the Word of God. We have a guidebook. And guess what? When I stand before the Lord, again, I want to repeat. I'm not going to be able to, well, I might try and say, well, such and such a preacher. He was the head professor at the seminary and he told me well that's fine what did i tell you in the word of god i want to honor the lord i want to be obedient to your word because he's already given it he's given it to me and now it's up to me to practice let's close in prayer our father we're thankful this morning for the wonderful word of god we're thankful for the church of the living god We thank you that the head of the church is now in heaven. He died. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And now he's seated in the glory. And we thank you that even now he walks... Amid the churches, he's he's uh, 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 commending or or, or 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 condemning various practices. We want to be commendable. We want to be commendable in the sight of the head of the church. We thank you, our Father, for revealing this to us in the Word of God. And we confess, O oh God, we live in a world that by and large does not practice these things. But we pray that each of us, as individuals, will be able to see them for ourselves and be responsible. Have that spiritual conviction that what we practice is according to your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen.